We're going to be looking in uh, the Gospel of Luke in a moment, so you might want to turn there to Luke chapter 8. And we're carrying on with our series on men and women in Christ, a divine harmony. What is God's vision for the way that men and women are designed by him to work together for his glory and for the betterment of humankind and to express God's kingdom to the world? That's the fundamental question we're looking at as we study these passages. And today, we're looking specifically at women following Jesus. And this follows on very nicely from Stefan's excellent lesson last week uh, on Martha and Jesus and the impact of Jesus on her, her life, her faith, her spirituality, and, uh, and, and the result of her sitting at his feet and listening. So we'll talk more about that in a moment. So I'm going to ask you this question to start with. If you were to follow somebody today, what would that mean? What would, that, what would people understand that to mean? If you said, I'm following somebody, anybody, double what would that normally mean? What do you think? Double meaning. It may have a double meaning. Follow them by walking behind them. Okay. Or you could follow them by. You could physically them. follow or learn from them. Okay. Stephen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Social media. Following on Facebook. Yes, at the back. Learn from their teachings. Yes, learn from their teachings. Thank you. Anything else? What would it mean if you said you were following somebody? I'm sorry? You're trying to copy them, imitate them, right. If I'm following my husband, it means I'm money to try to keep up with him. <laughs> <laughs> Fernando can move fast. I've seen that. He is he is slick and fast, that chap. Yeah. You could be a stalker. You could be a stalker. <laughs> so, Leon, are we talking personal experience here? <laughs> <laughs> following could be could be malevolent. Actually, it could be, right? Yes. Stalking does happen, sadly. I hope none of you has experienced it. Uh, actually, I have. But that's a story for another day. Uh, many years ago, we had a situation, me and Penny. But anyway, we'll, another time. <laughs> Brings back some difficult memories. So uh, moving on. I'd like to think that when I'm teaching in class, children are following my instructions. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I don't know where you phrase that. You'd like to think yeah. that the children are following your instructions as a teacher. Yes. Okay. Anything else? You study it. You study them or what they're doing. You study. You don't just sort of like notice. It's not casual. In other words, it's deliberate. Yeah. You believe in what they're saying. Okay. If you're going to follow them, you believe in them, what they're saying, what they're doing. You have a trust level on some level with them, don't we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You admire them. Yeah. What else would you want to follow? You think? You identify with them. Okay. Right. It's important. There's a connection of some kind. Yeah. There's a connection, something you you have in common and you connect with. You know, th this is really interesting when we think about what it means to be a Christian. Because the word Christian doesn't really mean very much in our, I don't know, 2,000 years after Jesus lived. What does the word Christian mean? And for most people, it doesn't have much content. But if we talk about being a follower of Jesus, that gives us a better picture, I think, than just the word Christian. What does it mean? to follow Jesus today. That's what we're going to be looking at uh, today. So women following Jesus. Firstly, I know you may not be able to read all of that, but I'm going to read some of that as examples of women following Jesus in the Gospels. So in Luke chapter 8, uh, the beginning of that chapter, uh, when Jesus, I'm in Matthew chapter 8, that's not going to help me. Let's try Luke 8. Here we go. 
After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Supporting Jesus, supporting the twelve, supporting the ministry that Jesus is engaged in, out of their own means. And then in Mark chapter 15, towards the end of his life, uh, at the cross, it tells us that some women are there at the cross. Um, in Galilee, these women who are now at the cross had followed him and cared for his needs. That's what it's talking about here in Luke 8. Many other women, so that's a lot of women, many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. So included in Luke 8, it's not just these named women, but many women, effectively a crowd, have traveled with him all the way from Galilee to Jerusalem. That's not round the corner and it's not on the tube. This is significant following. And then also in Luke chapter 23, but all those who knew him, all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things at the cross. They knew him. They weren't just hangers on at the edge of the crowd. They were following him and they knew him. So let me ask you a question. When you think about that context, what did it mean for those women, for these women we're talking about, to follow Jesus? What is it? What would it have taken? What would it have meant for them to be part of this group in Luke 8 or there at the cross? What did it mean? What, was, what did it take? What was the cost? What was the effect on them of following Jesus? What would you say? Beg your pardon? Inner strength. They had to have inner strength. We'll come on to more of that in a minute. That's a very good point. Inner strength. Courage. Courage to follow him. All right. Yes. Courage. At the back? Together, doing it together, camaraderie. Camaraderie is a wonderful thing. Yes. Akin. A great deal of sacrifice. Yes, somebody had a hand up. Uh, Fernando. To follow a man and not be following a woman to do that counseling would be strange to have that kind of relationship, especially at that time. So, courage mm -hmm. to be following a man. Right. So, in that culture, as you may know, as you're right, it would be it would be at best strange and at worst cultic and, what's the right word for it? Disgraceful for women to follow a man, especially someone who is either a rabbi or acting like a rabbi. So it took courage to break the cultural norms. Yes? They, sorry? Serving as mothers. Serving like a mother to Jesus. Yeah. What was his own mother up to at this point? <laughs> at, at this point, she's not a follower. Now, in Acts chapter 1, she ends up as a follower, but not at this point. So he's got some other mothers, you could say, and sisters, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What else do you think? Conviction. Conviction. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't They didn't take this step lightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got. I, I want to help them. 
more and more, mm, more and more. I think it's tremendously impressive that they don't just follow him in Galilee, which they do, but they follow him all the way to Jerusalem. That, you know, you, if you, you spend a bit of time with someone, you think, oh, I like spending time with them, but not that much, then you don't continue to spend time with them and follow. But they carried on and on and on, even as the, the, the storm clouds gathered around Jesus. Yeah, they wanted to know him more and more. We'll talk more about that in a minute. It's a really good point. Uh, Amy. It seems like Jesus has a new head leader. He's Well, you're, you're right that not only was it culturally not acceptable to do this kind of thing, but it was also dangerous. Yeah. I mean, women were more vulnerable in that culture or society than they would be here now. The women can be still vulnerable today, but if you're sort of putting a scale on it, they would have been more vulnerable then. So that's a really good point. Somebody else had a hand up. Um, yeah. Just thinking about their own personal sacrifice, you know, to step out of the cultural norm to become perhaps almost disgraced might then mean that, you know, dreams perhaps of becoming married or, you know, things like that may, may then perhaps not have been so easy, like the yeah. idea of... Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, <laughs> well, no, that's right. Imagine that you're from a respectable household in Galilee, you follow this disrespect is disrespectful. No, this this uh, this <laughs> can't think of the right word. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this uh, rabble ra rabble rousing rabbi who's not respectable, and so back home, someone your your neighbors and friends and family could be like, well, you know, you don't want to marry her. I mean, she's one of these she's one of these strange people who follows that strange guy Jesus. So they could have had an impact on that kind of thing. Yeah, they weren't. Afraid. They weren't afraid. They didn't deny him, whereas some of the men did. Some of the men did deny him, and they weren't afraid, or if they were afraid, it didn't seem to control them as much as the fear for other people controlled them. I tell you what, there's a lot we could dig into here. Let me give you a couple of thoughts. Um, they, Jesus had no place to lay his head, right? Now you're a woman following a guy who has no plans for accommodation. He hasn't booked Airbnb. Where are you going to stay? I mean, this, these are the things that I think sometimes when we read the Bible, we don't use our imagination enough to really understand what was the cost here. It was very significant. I'd say the two main things I would summarize as for them to follow Jesus meant, first of all, they had to leave. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus and follow him, you have to leave something. You have to leave what you're already following. You have to switch your focus and allegiance from what it is you were following, perhaps your particular ambitions for your career or relationships or the hobbies that absorb or not only absorb you, but, um, but over, uh, that, uh, that take your heart. And, and you've, got to, you've got to change that for, for Jesus. It means leaving something, leaving and going his way, letting him set our agenda. When the women are following Jesus, they had to go where he went. I don't really see them having a committee between all the followers of Jesus and deciding where Jesus should go next. He went next where he needed to go next. It's according to God's will for his life, and then they followed him wherever that took them. That's discipleship. Following Jesus wherever it takes us, where he's taking us. That's, that's a real sacrifice of, um, of our own agenda, 
And it requires significant trust in Jesus, doesn't it? And these women demonstrate that in some ways, perhaps more powerfully than the men do. I think the men still do. But perhaps because of their status in society, they demonstrate greater faith and courage in following Jesus. And the second thing I think is that to follow Jesus means to support him. In other words, not to be passively following him, but supporting his agenda. In Luke chapter 8, they give their money to support his work. They're actually using their resources so that his mission can go better. And there's something about that also as a disciple. We don't just listen to Jesus and come to church and listen to a Bible study or something and think that's nice and pray to him. But we say, God, what is my part in helping Jesus' mission be fulfilled in this, uh, on this earth? What's my, what's my part? What can I do to sort of fan the flame, to, to fuel the fire so that Jesus can get done what he wants to get done? At least those two things, I would say, is, are involved. Secondly, we see the women learning from Jesus. Now, um, Stefan mentioned this uh, last week about Martha and Mary and the learning that took place. Let me ask you of other examples. What examples can you think of in the Gospels of women learning from Jesus? What would you, what would you say that you've seen in those Gospels? Where do we see women, either individually or collectively, learning from Jesus? Victor? Woman of the well. Woman of the well? an in-depth theological discussion about worship and many things, right? Okay, John chapter 4, the woman of the well. Very good example. Patricia. Mary, that was referenced by Stephen last time, sitting at the feet of Jesus in her own home. Yes. Other examples. Akin. And Martha, She did. She also learned. Martha also learned. We see her spiritual growth as a result of being around Jesus. Yeah. Other examples? The woman who was going to be stunned. The woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8. Okay. Go and sin no more. Uh, okay. Right. She was brought into a place of learning from Jesus against her own will, but nonetheless, she did learn something. Yes. The woman who, had, who was bleeding for 12 years. Okay, all right. Um, Mary Magdalene, she was a prostitute, and yet she learned that she had value in the eyes of God. She was being completely, um, she was a lower chunk, and was completely shunned by society, and yet Jesus deliberately spent time with her, and in that way she learned that she had value. She learned she had value. So anybody whose life, like hers, was transformed by Jesus, learned that they had value. Okay. Any other examples? Jesus' mother. Yeah. Jesus' mother. She wasn't, you know, I think they tried to cut one out, and he wasn't doing it. You can see the book of Acts, he's alerted to Acts chamber. To begin with, she doesn't fully understand who Jesus is and can't place her faith in him, but she ultimately does, as we see in Acts chapter 1. Somebody else had a hand up. Uh, yeah. The wide one, but the wife of Pilate. Pilate's wife. Don't have anything to do with that man. Yeah. I've had a dream about him. It wasn't good. It doesn't end well. <laughs> she learned something in a different way. Okay, that's true. It's it's interesting that we tend to think about Jesus, and understandably, being focused on teaching the apostles. The 12, 
And he does. And he does spend time with them exclusively at times, uh, <laughs> up on a mountain or, or in a boat or different places. But we shouldn't miss the fact that the women are equally those being taught and learning from Jesus for his teaching and uh, his examples. Um, in Mark chapter 3, he's got a crowd in a house. And people tell him, your mother and your brothers are outside, they want to see you. And he says, well, who are my mother and my brothers? He looks at the circle, here are my mother and my brothers. I think it would be a bit strange if it was only men in the room. And he says, here is my mother and my brothers. There are women in the room. They're mixed, men and women, learning together in that room. They're there. Or we think about the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. Certainly, it tells us the exact number of men that were there, 5,000, 4,000. That's the way they did number reckoning in, the, in those days. They counted the men. That's what they did. But it references the fact that, oh, there were women and children there on both occasions. So we've got a crowd. How many thousands? Well, my guess would be there's probably an equal number. So maybe it's not just the feeding of the 5,000. It was the feeding of the 10,000 plus children. It's even more impressive. But they're there to be taught. Jesus doesn't say, what are you doing here? Why are you here? My focus is the 12. I mean, it's the blokes I'm really interested in. I mean, I love you women, but you know. No, no, no. Everybody has the right to be taught by Jesus. So what does it mean if we're going to learn from Jesus? It means a couple of things. It means devoting time to learning from Jesus. That's why we pray. Or one of the reasons. That's why we read and study our scriptures. Because this is how we learn from Jesus. We also, you could say, put time in in our relationships because in our relationships, we see Christ in one another in ways that we don't see him in ourselves. There are some people here who have more of Christ in them, far more than I do in some areas. And we need this community so that we can see Christ in each other, learn from each other, learn from Christ through learning uh, about him in each other. That takes time. That takes hanging out. It takes putting side, a time aside in our calendar. Time aside from other things we might find easier or more comfortable, as Becky said, you know, that sometimes spending time with other people is less comfortable than spending time on your own with a television or a screen or something else, which is not going to disturb you in the same way. But that kind of disturbance is one we need as we get challenged in that sense. Time. And it also means responding. You know, when Jesus taught, he didn't teach as an academic. He certainly had the brain power, but he didn't teach for an academic purpose. Jesus taught so that people could be changed. And so we learn best when we're learning to learn, to change and to grow, like Martha did, indeed. What does it mean for women and, let's face it, men, to learn from Jesus? Spending time with him and spending time with him with the object of desiring to learn and then change and to grow. Thirdly and finally, what about women knowing Jesus? So we've talked about women on the way, on the road, following. We've talked about women learning from Jesus. And it, all of this applies to the men, doesn't it? I mean, let's face it, it does. But what about the examples of women knowing uh, Jesus? Actually, really, in a sense, knowing him, knowing him. What do you think in the gospel shows us that some of these women were close to Jesus? You know, you've got to use your amount. I think this is the hardest question I'm asking this morning. So... Uh, you're going to use your imagination here. Think about this. I'm going to give you a moment if you need it. So, but think about it. what shows us that the women were close to him. As I mean, not just physically, but they had a bond. They had a connection that they really knew him as opposed to knowing about him or just knowing his t 
teachings. Is there anything you can think of in the Gospels that would indicate that? What do you think, Femi? At the, at the cross. At the cross? When he rose up from the dead. And when he was resurrected? They were there both times. Okay, yeah. Good point, Fernando. Mary anointing with the perfume. She knew it was absolutely special and amazing that she went to worship in such a way. The one who anointed his head with oil, and perhaps the one who uh, wiped his feet with her hair. I mean, this is a very close bond, isn't it? Okay, other thoughts, other examples? And Martha, come back with that situation. Martha? Maybe he sat at his feet. Yeah, Mary and Martha, they sat there. She must have felt comfortable to do that. To sit at Jesus' feet in a small, that's her home. As far as we know, it's only Mary and Martha. It's not a crowd there, right? So that's in their own <laughs> home. That's kind of you really get to know somebody when they're in your home, right? Yeah. I also think in Martha, she cooks for Jesus. I mean, oh. I'm sure there's like a whole little distinct tradition of hospitality goes back centuries that she was cooking for him. And I think if she gets bad press, maybe because I've got much more Martha Clinton than Mary Clinton. But you know, I think that to cook for somebody also quite an intimate thing because you think about the person. You you know, you're going to try and cook something they wouldn't like. If you want to welcome them to your house, you're going to cook something no, they really can't eat. What a really interesting insight. I, I like that. So she cooked. Yeah, when you cook for somebody, you, I hope you do, you think about what they might like or what they might not like at least. Uh, I wonder if Martha knew Jesus' dietary requirements, whether he was gluten-free or I bet she would know. Interesting. So that's a really good point. Cooking, eating together, eating together. Yeah. Anything else? Um, really, actually, Sorry. Was it really who supported? The ones who supported him out of their own means. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the women who, who used their money weren't investing in some uh, uh, project that was, you know, not connected to them. It was a person that they were following. So it shows you don't do that unless you think, I know this person. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, there's that sense in which she feels able to be herself. Um, in, um, in the earlier incident, doesn't she say, don't you care when it's with Mary? Is that right? Don't you care? I mean, that's quite accusative. It, it, hopefully, you've got a good enough relationship where actually someone you know, could say that and you could you know, handle it in your relationship. I think it's interesting to, to think about this because in the end, why did Jesus come? He came so that we would know him, not just know about him. And that happens because we make a decision to leave our agenda and take on his. That's Basically, that's lordship. Making Jesus Lord is not an intellectual decision. It is a repentance, a turnaround, and a completely different way of living. It's a different following. It's, 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 that's what that is. So it takes that this departure, taking on Jesus' agenda, and it also means learning. It means sitting there learning, and learning in a way uh, with an attitude of, of change. The women knowing Jesus, someone mentioned the cross, I think is perhaps the ultimate example. They follow him to the foot of the cross. A large number of people, including women, who mourned and wailed. And then the words are there in verse 
49 of chapter 23 of Luke, all those who knew him. I think that's significant, including the women. They stood at a distance. And in uh, chapter 23, verse 55, or, uh, no, sorry, Mark 15, rather, the women are watching from a distance, but they're there, and, and the men appears are not. There's Mary, uh, the other Mary, uh, jo Mary Joseph, Salome. They followed him, cared for him. Many other women, they're there. And in Luke chapter 23, the women who come from Je with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb. They went to the tomb. The men weren't at the tomb. The men were at the women were at the tomb. Now, there are various reasons why that may have taken place. But what we can say is that the women were loyal to Jesus because they knew him. The ideal had gone, right? The ideal was he's the returning Messiah King. He's going to kick the Romans out and be our new holy, perfect, Davidic, Davidic king. That, that was the, the, the idea. That ideal has gone. He's dead. And they don't understand that the resurrection is coming. But they're still following him. It tells us that they really cared about him. They, to be close to Jesus means to maintain loyalty through the tough times. <clears throat> even at the cross. True discipleship is not discipleship in the sunshine. Discipleship is discipleship is it's life in the rain and the fog when you don't know where you're going. And the women show us that. True discipleship takes us to the cross and involves sacrifice. And it's motivated, not by the desired outcome. Oh, Messiah's coming back. It's going to be great. We're going to be women in the, in the kingdom and we're going to have a place at the, in the, at the king's table. That's why we're doing this. It's that, that dream is gone. It's love. It's love for Jesus that keeps them there at the foot of the cross and takes them to the tomb. See, discipleship is not a technique. Discipleship is not a series of tasks. It's not a checklist of have I done this, have I done that, have I done that to be a disciple. Discipleship, you know you're a disciple when you're wholeheartedly devoted to Jesus in the good times and the bad. When you've taken on his agenda. I think the Apostle Paul shows us this, perhaps more than anybody else. He said this in Philippians chapter 3. I want to know Christ. To know the power of his resurrection. Sign me up for that. And participation in his sufferings. That's uncomfortable. Not sure about that. Becoming like him in his death. This, this, I don't like that. I mean, I admire Paul, but I struggle to want that. When's the last time you prayed that prayer? Jesus, I want to know the power of your resurrection and I equally want to know. I want to participate in your sufferings. I want to become like you in your death. I haven't found myself praying that very often. <laughs> but if we trust Jesus, we'll want that. Because Jesus was, he's the one we admire. He's our hero. He's the one we want to be like. That's why the women followed him in the way that they did. Really, this whole thing's about Jesus. And in fact, today's lesson is, and last week with Stefan, it's not really in some ways about women. It's about discipleship to Jesus. It's about him. There are promises, which we should also hold on to. Everyone who has left 
houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. There is a promise. Discipleship is worth it. Discipleship is costly. Discipleship is uncomfortable. But it's worth it. Because of what Jesus has done for us and because of the promise that he holds out. Now in a moment, we're going to take some bread and wine, which reminds us of his sacrifice for us. That prayerfully inspires us to either continue following him or to want to. And if you're you're in a place where maybe... You've not yet made that decision to follow, to leave, to be taught, to to, to be with and to get to know Jesus. Then why not? Let's talk about it afterwards, because there's no no greater adventure in life than following Jesus. There's no other person worth following more than Jesus. And the bread and the wine reminds us that this wasn't just a nice idea of Jesus. He gave himself for this, including his body and his blood. I'm going to ask Sarah to come up and pray for us right now.